Is work working for your people and organization? In this podcast, Mercer thought leaders, industry experts, and business visionaries share big ideas and best practices to help you build great workplaces and a future where work works for everyone. Making Work Work is a podcast from Mercer Workforce Solutions. Welcome to Making Work Work. I'm Cynthia Cottrell. You know, I've debated about whether or not I would have ChatGPT write my introduction today. I'd probably be less than honest with the fact that I did consult with ChatGPT prior to today's show. And in fact, consulted it on a couple of points. One, what is the state of the nation or the state of the world as it relates to artificial intelligence? And what does it mean for humans everywhere? I also consulted it on a really snappy intro that I could start today's discussion with because today we are talking about the impact of artificial intelligence, particularly the progression to generative AI on the workforce. You know, recent information has been quite scary for job holders everywhere. If you uh, listen to the stats, things like artificial intelligence and economic and social conditions are expected to result in 83 million job losses with only 69 million jobs created over the next five years, which sounds like a net job loss as a result of artificial intelligence. We also know from a recent Mercer survey that 57% of CEOs and CFOs plan to increase the use of AI and automation. Nearly one third are already redesigning work to reduce their organization's dependency on humans. So with all of those things together in the picture here, it does sound a bit scary. It does sound a bit nerve wracking for workers everywhere. So I thought who best to help us understand this and and maybe do some myth busting with us as well. But let's let's certainly bring all the facts to the table and our predictions. Who best to help us do that? Then Ilya Bonick, the president of Mercer's Workforce Solutions Business and head of Mercer Strategy globally. And we're going to talk to him today about the challenges and opportunities presented by AI in a balanced way, in a way that does help us to bring some sense to all of this sensational information today about AI and where we sit. So Ilya, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Cynthia. Great to be here. You know, before we we talk shop about uh, AI, it would actually be really cool to just hear a little bit more about your background and how you became such um, an enthusiast for the world of artificial intelligence and what that means for the workforce. Sure. So I've been with Mercer, just sit back <laughs> for 25 years, right? There's not many uh, people nowadays that have a career that extends that long with the one employer. But I, I've been really fortunate. Every time I've got restless, there's been another opportunity for me. And it's taken me from Australia to Asia to Europe. And now I'm based in, in the US. And I have to say, in that 25-year career, there's never been a more exciting time to be part of Mercer. But I also say there's never been a more exciting time to be part of the HR profession. And that's because all of us focus on the work. We all focus on the people. And there's so much disruption so much risk, so much opportunity, and we've got an important role to play in navigating through that, I think. 
I agree. So I'm going to ask you something, and this set, sort of sets the scene and the tone for our discussion today. Do you think AI will ever replace your job, Ilya? So <laughs> my response <laughs> to that is uh, I'm more on the optimistic side of, of AI than the pessimistic. So I'll say is that as long as I'm open to learning, as long as I'm curious ensure that I remain familiar with the technology and its developments. I'd like to think that actually I can be augmented by AI rather than be replaced, rather than be automated away. You know, you, you and I meet with clients all the time. And one of the things that, that I'm involved in is a lot of uh, how do we build our business through inorganic means. And, and just a a couple of weeks ago, I met with a large multinational company that was interested in partnering with Mercer. I ran out of time to prepare, so what do I do? I, I, I jump onto ChatGPT. I'm meeting this person. We want to talk about partnership. They're the CEO of this organisation. Structure a conversation with me. And literally in 15 seconds, I've got this outline of a script, <laughs> not only of what to cover to get to the end point of can we partner or not or what are the next steps, but also the softer things is, you know, they might be interested in these kind of things based on their profile. So you know, it's a shortcut to getting things done. And that's what I mean is like if I'm getting used to the technology, it can augment me, make me better, make me more productive. And to be honest, I'm a little scattered, so it gives me some structure. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure we end up with a better outcome using that kind of approach than if I just tried to wing it, for example, which would not be good. There you go, folks. You heard it here first on Making Work Work, the secrets to success, consult chat GPT <laughs> before any client meeting. <laughs> I share that view of augmentation as opposed to replacement. You know, one of the biggest promises, and you just mentioned this in your own personal example of productivity and being more efficient. From your perspective, how is AI making the HR function or the role of HR more productive? Or where do you see the potential for that to be the case? And we have a lot of listeners who are going to be really interested in this. Yeah. I think this is going to go down as the most important period in history for HR. And, and here we've got a, a choice to make. It's like take advantage of what AI has to offer for our work, for all the discomfort it, it might have in terms of the changes it could bring to HR, but also to focus on how do we not reinvent work, but how do we redesign work so that AI can be applied in a way that's a benefit to the organisation, but also a benefit to the, to the workforce. You, you know, you've probably read just as I have that there's research saying that if any jobs are going to be disrupted, it's more likely going to be HR than any other profession. So that's pretty scary for us, right? But if you think of work in the way that there's different aspects of it, so let's say there's an expertise component, there's a relational component, there's a transactional component. And as much as HR want to be the strategic partner to the C-suite, we get caught up on all of that day-to-day -day transactional work of making the employee experience work because we haven't quite got it right technology-wise. If we have the opportunity to apply tools like generative AI to improve the efficiency of 
the HR work we do to reduce some of that transactional load that we all get caught up in, then it gives us more opportunity to focus on the relational aspects, the strategic aspects where we can have most impact. And even if AI brings some of the expertise that we have in the HR profession, it just as the example I gave before, we can think of it about enhancing or augmenting our expertise to be able to do an even better job than before. And so I think for HR, if we take an optimistic view, we can augment our own jobs, free us up to focus on the more strategic pieces and genuinely have the impact that we've always wanted to have but have just been unable to because of the nature of the design of our jobs. I think that's not just optimistic. I think it's it's welcome and realistic for organizations. You know, I'm thinking about the use of AI and and what we're already seeing taking place in HR functions like talent acquisition. And you know, we talk a lot about you know, creating a, a fair and equitable place and our playing ground for people to have access to opportunities, free from bias, free from those decisions that might exclude certain talent pools or certain people because of of biases about their ability to complete the work or to do the job. And and I think that, you know, in 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 addition to the efficiency and the ability to free up HR to to do those strategic and relational pieces, I also see it as as an improvement to the employee experience and and overall to the fairness and and the equity that I think employees everywhere are searching for right now as well. So I I see that benefit too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Cynthia, you and I have been together for the last few days while I've been here in Sydney and uh, you shared with me that you've put together a playlist for our team here. So have you got George Michael's Freedom on that list? Because that's what's going through. <laughs> that's what's going through my mind right now. Now it's stuck in my head. Thanks, Ilya. <laughs> uh, you also um, commented on, on on bias, for example. You know, here I also think that the HR profession has a really important role to play. Like there are, and we all know if we follow the discussion, there are a lot of dangers in the blind discussion of. AI. It is an area that I worry about for a, a number of reasons. Maybe we'll, we'll get there. But here I think that one of the roles for us as HR professionals is going to be to ensure that the technology is introduced in a way that minimizes bias. And I don't think that job will ever stop because AI learns from the content that it is exposed to. And so I think there's going to be a constant role to fine-tune the AI to make sure that it works within the context of your own organisation and that we're vigilant for those areas of bias that might creep through. And it's a really important role to play because this is this is where I worry about AI. It's like whatever comes out of ChatGPT, it's a shortcut for us. And so the temptation is just to believe whatever comes out. But if it's been trained on the wrong material or if it's been biased on the volume of material that influences, AI can come out with perspectives that are either wrong or biased in itself. But, you know, we go on in our day-to-day lives being very busy, not thinking particularly critically about the content or the information, and then 
using it sometimes to make decisions that turn out to be just wrong. I think that's a it's a, a fair and reasonable fear or, or certainly a concern about the future. And I, I like that. Um, I hadn't thought of it that way, Ilya, that, that that could be an interesting and important future role that HR could play in this space. And certainly in concert with organization enterprise strategy around an AI policy, which would be true for all yeah. parts of the business that might be employing artificial intelligence. But- I'm going to plug a book now. I read a book um, uh, a few weeks ago, written in the 1950s, believe it or not, by Isaac Asimov, and it was called iRobot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, and the, the key character was a robot psychologist. And you start reading it and you wonder, what the heck would you need a robot psychologist for? But it's to continually review and retrain and redirect and make sure that the AI, or in this case, the the robot with the artificial intelligence stays on track. It's fascinating to think that something that was written 80 years ago is just so, so relevant for today. And and often the Asimov book is um, invoked its imagery as well as just the the I, comma, robot. Um, it's it's mm. often now the, the preceding uh, title to a lot of um, discussion right now about where I could take us and, and also potentially the dark sides of it. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit, though, and, and coming back to a point you mentioned earlier, Ilya, about how we safely usher in this technology as, as organizations increasingly make use of AI. One of the questions that comes up quite often is the skill set and the thinking with regards to how jobs and how work is designed might need to change to make room for augmentation or make room for uh, these new ways of working with generative AI. From your perspective, you know what could organizations be thinking or doing right now in the space of skills development and this and being able to take full advantage of the productivity and efficiency gains from AI? I think the first thing is to be proactive. Uh, recognize that generative AI is here with us now and it's not going to go away. So from a leadership perspective, it's critical that the leaders of the business form a vision of AI's role in the future. I think it's always important to give workforce confidence that the business has a strategy that's going to drive success. And if the business is successful, then there's opportunity for the workforce to move along as well. And so we should be very transparent that as leaders, we're thinking about the role of AI in the future of our organisation and give the workforce confidence that we're going to not just implement AI to make work more productive, which can be a little scary if that goes towards thinking around disruption, but rather that we will apply it in a way that's going to make us more competitive and that we will be looking for opportunity to develop people's capability to ensure that their skills are evolving in a way that's relevant and ensures that they have sustainable careers. Billy, I'm, I'm curious. I, I know that as an employee at Mercer, which is one of the group of companies called Marsh McLennan, I know that I use ChatGPT in my everyday work. You clearly use it in your work, but you could just step back for a moment and tell us a little bit about what the approach is for Marsh McLennan 
in regards to the use of AI and particularly generative AI, um, that would be great. Yeah. So firstly, we want to make sure that we're at the forefront of use of AI, not only for helping us operate as effectively as we can as an organization, but also in terms of the advice that we're providing our clients. That means that we need to be using AI. It means that we need to develop the skills of our workforce in using AI. So the first place we went actually was on the conservative or the risk side. So I don't know if you've you know, if you use ChatGPT, maybe you notice that sometimes your responses come back in a way that asks you the question, have you been learning from what I've been asking? Yeah, yeah. And essentially it is, right? Like anything we put into these models, they learn and they grow. Our biggest concern, our initial concern was if we're putting client or sensitive information into these artificial intelligence technologies. And so we've had broad communication to encourage our workforce to use these tools and get familiar, but to make sure that there's nothing private or sensitive. And that's the first step. The next is that because of our size, we're able to work with organizations like Microsoft, like Google, like Amazon on their plans for creating generative AI tools that are usable within a corporate context. In other words, preserve privacy and confidentiality. And so that's what we're working through currently is setting up our system so that we can use AI without fear of any leakage of that sensitive content into the market. Then we've created user groups which have been inundated with people wanting to know more and we're creating sandboxes where we're asking people for ideas so that we can experiment with the technology. We will learn from that. We will get feedback from our teams on how what's working and what's not and then we'll iterate as we move forward. So that's the initial plan. It's still early days, but it's the early days of AI. And I just reinforce the point is our advice to clients is be proactive. And that's what we're doing ourselves also. That's great. And I'm part of one of the communities. I'm in the community that's collaborating with my colleagues around the world on uh, the impact of generative AI on HR. So it, it is a lively uh, dialogue. Yeah. I can attest to that, Ilya. Speaking of which, you know, as we you know, we're talking to a number of folks listening to us right now who are thinking about implementing AI applications um, and systems and into the HR technology stack, whether those be talent marketplaces or learning experience platforms, you know, Workday, uh, Oracle, SAP, all are using elements of AI anyways inside of their platforms, whether we know it or not. Either way, what tips, what what advice would you give to organizations, particularly HR, as they think about investing in the implementation of AI technology to support HR functions? So we have a phrase and a philosophy in our business that is be digital, don't do technology. It's cool. Yeah, I like it. Right. And like they sound similar, but they're a lot different. Like technology is the tool to get things done. The being digital is everything that goes around it. Just because you implement a technology doesn't mean that it'll be adopted, right? There is, especially since COVID, there's been an explosion in the uptake of uh, learning management systems and tools, right? 
we have them at Mercer, we have them at Marsh and McLennan. The common complaint from our clients is for all the best intent to help their workforce develop the skills that will keep them relevant for the future, the uptake is 5 10 15%, right? There's a, a lot of disappointment around. That's not the only technology, but a lot. Reason behind that is we introduce the technology thinking that's going to be the solution. What we need to do is step back and think, well, what's our strategy? We've got all these tools. So firstly, do they fit together? And what's the experience going to be for our clients, for our colleagues? What's the vision that we have for how we want to use the tools? And ask the question of why. Why, why, why do we want these? Then we need to get the organisation ready so prepare for the introduction of these tools and we need to deploy, which also includes aspects of change management. Then we implement the technology, which is just one small piece of this process. And then we wind back and we think about how do we sustain, how do we ensure that the adoption we have continues and then we keep going, like an, think of it like an infinity loop going through that process. So I wonder now if the be digital, not technologies, it doesn't really work, but like, Maybe it's like think the augmented intelligence, don't think the technology. It's it's the it's the whole thing. It's 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 more about the people than it is about the technology, and that's what we need to keep in mind most. Yeah, I agree um, with that. In fact, you know, with the organizations that we work with, we often start with a, a version of that mantra, which is it's not about the tech. And um, you know, as someone who spent most of my career in a tech firm and in working on transformations driven by digital and tech, it never is about the tech. Um, and in fact, in, it feels in, in the present day, the ability to implement technology because of cloud, because of virtualization and, and other really neat things that make it easier to instantiate these tools, it actually really isn't about the tech, is it? And we do often work with organizations who really need to orient themselves to what does matter, which is the human experience uh, that they're trying to drive with the help of technology. And you made this really, you told this great story earlier this week about maybe why perception often about AI and about technology tends to gear more to that type of change, a technological change, a process change versus a human one. Do you want to just tell us a little, tell, tell our audience a little bit about that story? Because I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of, it's got a twist to it that I think is, is worthy for the audience to hear. Yeah. We did some work with clients envisaging what a skills-based organization would look like and how we would enable that with technology. And being a friend of ChatGPT, I and we use that to help with the envisaging process. But then what we also did is we asked the technology to actually create some art. So what actually would a skills-based organisation look like? What would a talent marketplace-based organisation look like? And we used MidJourney for that. Uh, and it came out with a piece of art. But before examining that piece of art, what we also did with our, our clients is we just did a web search. And in this case, we used exactly the word talent marketplace, which is a technology. Right? There's some a lot of concepts behind it, but the technology is talent marketplace. Google search, click on images, and a page pops up where you have images of what a talent marketplace looks like, images that are created by marketeers, 
by product strategists, by business leaders to position their organization in this future of workspace. And what was fascinating as you scrolled your way through those tens and tens of, of images is that 80 to 90% of them focused on process and focused on technology. When we turn to what ChatGPT had helped us create through artificial intelligence, the image was nothing like that. The image was about humans. The image was about people in an organization. And I think in that whole image, there was only one small piece of technology where someone happened to be using something that looked like a laptop. And so the, the contrast was incredible. It's like here you've got humans describing a skills-based organization, which is about people as technology and process. And on the other hand, you've got artificial intelligence interpreting as all about the people. And that is the twist. And, and I, <laughs> I think that what I take away from that story is it's, a good thing that the machine recognizes that humans are necessary, that this is about human <laughs> cultural shift in the way we work, not the replacement or extinction of humans as, as some might be worried about. Yeah. And, um, and there you have it, ChatGPT also acknowledging that in a very real way, even better than, than what we as humans have mm-hmm. put out into the market about what we think uh, uh, is most important. So I, I, I really think that's a, a neat story. Look, um, Ilya, we could, well, we could also invoke ChatGPT and 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 turn that on right now and start talking to it. But um, we could do this for hours. But we are at the end of our time together, and I just wanted to thank you for joining us today. Um, your insights, your enthusiasm for what this could mean for organizations globally, for workers globally was certainly palpable. And, and I know that our listeners are going to learn a lot from not just what you're seeing in Mark, but certainly what Marsh McLennan are doing and, and what you're um, helping organizations do as they safely usher in this era of AI. So thanks for being here with us, Ilya. Thank you, Cynthia. It's been a pleasure to be here. So I'm Cynthia Cottrell. Thanks for listening to Making Work Work from Mercer Workforce Solutions. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for listening. Please subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. And if you have any questions, get in touch with us via our website at mercer.com.au.